With Shane, I welcome you to Rivermont and invite you to open your Bibles or one of the few Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, to Luke chapter 2, where we'll be reading verses 8 to 20. Today we're pondering Jesus and fear as a fourth sermon in our Advent series entitled, All is Calm, Even When All is Not Bright. By God's grace, the arrival of Jesus Christ helps us to undercome, overcome Unwelcome feelings like doubt and shame, loneliness and fear that sometimes we do experience uh, during this time of year. As we turn to our passage, most people in America are familiar with these words because every December, in between scenes of the Grinch slithering around Whoville, George Bailey looking uh, for something very special with Christmas, looking for a wonderful life, and Rudolph not playing reindeer games, we hear Linus responding to Charlie Brown's question, isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? And Linus very beautifully the meaning of Christmas in responding to Charlie Brown with our verses. Now, while Linus answered with the King James Version, I'll be reading from the ESV. So this is the reading of God's holy word, Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who had it had wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, as that it had been told them. Please join me in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we ask for your blessing by your Holy Spirit as we look at this very familiar passage together. We pray that you would bring to us a sense of wonder and praise as we try to unravel some of the beauty of the birth of our Savior Christ the Lord. We ask this in His holy name. Amen. I have a question for you this morning. And it's a question that helps me get my head and heart around Jesus and fear. Here's the question. What do you think about when you're not thinking about anything? That's the question. 
What do you think about when you're not thinking about anything, when you haven't planned to think about anything particularly, when nothing is pressing upon you in one of those blank spaces that pop up from time to time? What do you think about during those occasions? What do you ponder? Well, when all is calm, honestly, I tend to think about Jesus Christ. His grace, His love. I tend to recall that I'm a dearly loved child of God. And after years of dealing with shame and loneliness, I realize finally that I have great worth as His beloved Son. Now when all is calm, I tend to think about the people I love. It begins with my family and then it it extends into this church family and to friends that are near and perhaps far away. When all is calm, I tend to think about history. I like World War II history. And I think about navigation on water, morning sunrises, evening evening sunsets. I think about my hobbies. However, when all is not calm, when all is not bright, when stress enters into the mix of life, I am prone to anxiety, worry, and to some degree of fear. It's broad. I sometimes worry about the current political climate and unrest. Sometimes I think about the future of worldwide economies and think about the impact upon my retirement and your retirement. I sometimes worry or fear the growing disrespect for the church as our culture changes. And sometimes I ache for your heartaches, whether close to home or from matters of extended family issues. I sometimes fear that God is not with us in the vacuum of meaningless thought when I forget that Jesus Christ, our Emmanuel, has promised to be God with us. And yet I'm so very thankful that God breaks into our fear and anxieties with the truth of our Savior, Christ the Lord. And so these very familiar verses for us this morning, they encourage me and they will encourage you to answer the question, what occupies your thoughts when you're not thinking about other things? And I pray that we'll be able to fill that time with something very stunning. Now in this passage, Luke is pointing us to Jesus the Messiah and to the Gospel. And he addresses us first as sinners... Then we see the gospel and its glorious beauty emerge. And then all of a sudden there's some guidance here of how we should respond in pondering and praising God. Now remember the context. Here Jesus has already been born in Bethlehem. And verse 8 begins to speak to us as sinners with this announcement that is being made to shepherds who are tending their flocks by night. Now Ron, you may ask... How do you connect sinners sinners and shepherds in our text? And that's a good question. To the first century reader, the idea that an announcement of this magnitude would come first to shepherds, well, it would have been totally outrageous. In those days, you could not even say that shepherds were middle-class citizens. No, shepherds were counted among the most despised within society in that day. By the religious leaders, they were regarded as ceremoniously unclean since they often dealt with livestock and all of their filth and in disease. Sometimes today we may think that these shepherds represent some kind of ideal existence. 
some kind of rustic nobility, perhaps some sort of rural charm. Yet by the rest of society in their day, they were regarded at best as unreliable and at worst as thieves. They were seldom trusted. Furthermore, there is no indication in our text that these men were devout or perhaps they were devout, but no hint that these men were deserving of such a privileged announcement. Nevertheless, in the wisdom of God, God ordained that these lowly shepherds be the first to hear the good news of the birth of Israel's Messiah. Not to the king, not to his court, not to the temple priests, the Sanhedrin and the Sadducees, not to the Pharisees. To none of them does this announcement come. Rather, the announcement of the birth of Jesus comes to shepherds. And the announcement of the angels comes to those who are not highly esteemed by their contemporaries and to those who are frankly considered amongst the worst of sinners in their day. And yet to them the announcement comes. Now the fact that God would choose such a group of these people makes an important life-changing point. And here it is. There is no group of people that is beyond the reach of God's grace. No group. The good news for you and for me, that if you imagine this day that you have strayed too far from God, or if you imagine this day that your mistakes have been too severe, if you imagine this day that your faith is too weak to be loved by God, this message of Christ's arrival into this world, it should correct our notions that are wrong. The God revealed in Scripture is not concerned with those people who think they have it all together. Rather, the God of this universe is concerned with those who are most in need of them. Is this not amazing? As you think about that for a minute or two, it is just a cameo portrait of the very gospel itself spoken to ordinary men and women just like you and me in need of God's saving grace. You remember how in the Gospels on three different occasions, well actually in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus said, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. In other words, Jesus is saying, I didn't come for a people who thought that they had everything together, that they were righteous. I came for a people who knew that they fell short of the glory of God. And Jesus is calling, come unto me. Turn from your sin and repentance and turn to me in faith. So in speaking to you and to me as sinners, the gospel in all of its beauty, it emerges. Now again, look at the context. Consider this. If it were not for God's grace, we would miss the profoundness of what is occurring, which brings us to this next point. Into the lives of sinners, God sends an angel and then the heavenly hosts, they come to point all of us to Jesus Christ and to the gospel. God knows that we are limited in what we know of him. So what does he do? In his love, he sends forth the angel, a messenger of God, to announce the birth of Jesus Christ. Apart from the angels. No one would have understood what the birth of the Lord Jesus was truly about. Not Joseph, not Mary, not the shepherds. 
In fact, in Hebrews chapter 1, we find that the angels are ministering spirits, spirits sent forth to serve those who will inherit salvation. They are servants of God. They're ministers to God's people. No wonder the angels spoke to the shepherds. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. These words echo what the angel of the Lord tells Joseph in a dream. We were there two weeks back. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. What clarity in this message. This news brings the eyes of our hearts into proper focus. God's gift of a Savior, Christ the Lord, it makes you and me face the truth about ourselves. While it may disturb our egos, we are reminded that we need a Savior, a Savior to save us from our sins. And in Jesus Christ, we have that Savior. Fear not. The Savior, Christ the Lord, is born. Fear not. Now, it's a natural thing for a sinner to fear when the depths of his depravity comes into God's light. The more guilt we have, the more things we fear. Perhaps there are times when we fear being found out for some little deceit. Perhaps we fear that some ache or pain that we are experiencing is part of God's judgment. Perhaps we have a fear of dying and meeting the holy God face to face. And so to jolt us from our fear and to help us to embrace the gospel and its beauty, the angel intercedes. And here he gives us a sign that comes to us in two parts. First of all, you will have this sign that this baby is wrapped in swaddling cloths. Now this is common. We would go to the hospital and see a newborn child, and that child is often wrapped in swaddling clothes. Correct? And yet the second sign is simply this. He's lying in a manger. He's lying in a feeding trough. Now this is where the story is surprising. It's not so common. This baby, Christ the Lord, is going to save you, yet He is the lowly one of Scripture. He is your King, but He is one who is humiliated, one lying in a feeding trough, who will be your Lord, your Master, your Messiah, who will go to the cross on your behalf. So as the Scripture affirms, though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor. Who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but rather He made Himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. We know today about the humiliation of Christ as He entered into our sinful world to be the sinless Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. He gave up His position and place and glory that we might have eternal life as a result of His work on this earth. Dear family of God, 
It began in a humble manger and ended on a wooden cross. He was born in a borrowed stable and he was buried in a borrowed tomb. And yet this Savior will rise from the grave and ascend into heaven for you and for me that our salvation will be secure. It is amazing to realize that God knew all that would happen to His Son as He willingly placed His Son at the mercy of our humanity. Or perhaps better said, our inhumanity. God realized the cost of providing a Savior for the world. It was an act of mercy which no human mind will ever fully understand. These are good tidings, though, of great joy. Proclaimed by the angel to those who are recipients of God's grace. So no wonder the heavenly host erupts into worship and praise of the Almighty God. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Now, that's the King James, I know. But why do we think about glory to God? Well, it's glory to God because why? Because it's about the gospel. God has found a way to be just and also to be the justifier of Him. That's you and me as we place our trust in Jesus for salvation. He deserves all of our praise. He is worthy of all of our adoration. He is the only hope we have and all glory is due Him. Peace, they sing. Among those with Him He is pleased. Peace, not fear, for those with whom He is pleased. Yes, in His holiness and righteousness, God is angry with sinners. But in the mercy and love of our God, He has sent His Son into this world to be the Savior of sinners. His Son, Jesus Christ, would bear the punishment of death that we deserve to die because of the sins that we have committed. And yet He did what He did that we might hear those beautiful, beautiful words. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you peace. This peace is eternal. It's the peace of reconciliation. And yet at what cost? At what cost? That on the cross, the Lord Jesus, as it were, would hear His Father in heaven saying, The Lord curse you and hide His face from you and give you no peace so that the people that you have come to save will have peace. You see, the Prince of Peace has come so that Whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. To sinners the Gospel comes. And we are saints forgiven. And so finally, let's think about how do we respond? Well, on the hillside around Bethlehem, the angels erupt into worship singing praises to Almighty God. They have all reverence, enthusiasm, and wholehearted uh, praise in their worship. And their good news of great joy causes the shepherds to erupt into praise as well. And our worship, dear family, is the most important thing that we may do this day. For worshiping God is at the very heart of what Christmas this season is all about, is it not? 
It's only in worship that our grieving can give way to hope that we will be reunited with those of our Christian family who have gone before us. It is only in worship that we recognize that God is bigger than all of our worries and all of our fears. And we come face to face with a God who is ultimately in control of all things. It is only in worship that we recognize that our family is a great gift of a loving God and is to be cherished and never to be taken for granted. I trust this is why so many of us are here this day, because we want to praise our God. We know that all is not necessarily right in our lives. There are events that are past and present that cause a degree of distress. But we are here because when we come into His presence, we know that with all of our problems and all of our successes, with all of our anxiety and all of our fears, we also have great hope because there is God. I pray that is why you're here. You know that at the end of the day, there is only one source of true Joy, it is God Himself, born to us as Christ the Lord. It's time for us to praise God for what He has done. It's time for us to be joyful. And as joy begins, when we, like the shepherds of long ago, visit Christ, that joy begins to erupt and it displaces the fear and the anxieties of our hearts. And notice here, as the heavens are opened and all the company of Heaven breaks into praise. The shepherds went racing to Bethlehem to see what it was all about. Notice, they rejoice as their fear is transformed into joy. Their bewilderment is transformed into wonder. And they go to Bethlehem and they find Mary and Joseph and the baby. And then they go and spread the word. They knew what God had done for them and they were able to go and tell others the same. So here, my friends, part of a response. As you marvel at Jesus coming to us as our Savior, do not fear to tell others about Him. Pray. Pray and tell your children about Christ. Pray and tell your neighbor. Pray and tell your work associates about the wonders of Jesus and His love. And we see here here that the shepherds, they return to the hillside. It's a wonderful point that they went back to work. Here the shepherds are telling us that we can praise and glorify God wherever the Lord plants us. But now back to that question again. When you are not thinking about anything else, What do you think about? Is that which is stunning ever there? Is the gospel ever there to emerge from your hearts even when you think about nothing else? Is the good news of Jesus Christ ever a part of the deepest thoughts and desires of your heart? It was for the shepherds who returned to the hills praising God. It was for Mary as she pondered these things in her heart. My friends, even when we face few things that are placed upon our mind, please, when all is calm, even when all is not bright, be deliberate. 
Ask God to help. Treasure up all these things. Ponder them in the depths of your soul. May we be a gospel-saturated people, a people who realize that we're sinners, that we didn't deserve God to reach out to us in grace, yet we know that He did anyway. And He will help us in those times when we need Him as we place our doubt and our shame and our loneliness and our fear in His hands. May we be forever overjoyed by our Savior Christ the Lord. May we be forever surprised by His grace. May we forever praise God for the greatness of our salvation. For God sends a baby who seems to be so vulnerable, yet who is also the King of kings, Lord of lords, to be our Savior. May we hold our breath in awe, gasping at what God has done in sending His Son to die on our behalf. And as the angels are taking up with the things that God is doing, may we as His people also praise our God. For the Savior is born. May we treasure these things from the God who gives His Son, Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, Holy Father, we praise You for Your Word and we thank You for this marvelous story that Jesus Christ came into this world to save His people from their sins, to save sinners like us. Our Lord and our God, please capture our hearts that we might ponder this truth for the rest of our lives and sing with the herald angels, Glory to God in the highest both now and forevermore. This we ask in His holy name. Amen.